Hello, EKN Nation. Welcome to a new edition of our EKN Debrief. It's episode number 93, Wednesday, March the 9th, uh, 2022. And again, almost uh, got through the first quarter of the year. A ton of racing, as we all know, throughout the Winter Series, both on the East Coast and the West Coast. And one of the, I think, the most anticipated openers of the year, of course, the United States Pro Kart Series Southern Grand Prix, the event that took place at the Orlando Kart Center in Orlando, Florida, just last weekend. Uh, big weekend for sure. Uh, looking forward to diving into this one. My name is Rob Howden, joined, of course, by David Cole, who was trackside throughout the weekend. Before we dive into this edition of the debrief, let's talk about the presenting sponsor for this week's show. Of course, Franklin Motorsports. Franklin Motorsports is a leader in the karting industry with over 50 years of combined karting experience, and they can provide you with everything you need to go racing. With a large online product selection, select track support events, and a wide variety of shop services, Franklin Motorsports is your complete karting source. They specialize in IAMI engines, tillet seats, and of course, their championship-winning Merlin chassis. They've been supplying racers with start-to-finish support at race events for years, from providing a helping hand at a weekday test outing or at a club event to full arrive-and-drive packages at the highest level of karting competition. For all things karting, visit franklin.com. All right, David Cole, um, following along throughout the weekend, I had a chance to watch the cover, some of the coverage on Cart Chaser. I rolled out and actually had to do some errands, so I was actually listening as well on the ECAN Radio Network. Man, just a fantastic weekend for the USPKS Southern Grand Prix, opening for, uh, opening around to the 10th season of this program, March 4th, 5th, and 6th, of course, the race date. Uh, your first trip to Orlando Karting Center, let's start with that. What do you think of the facility? I personally haven't been there either myself. No, and I'll get I'll get a little more in depth in our paddock pass. But to begin with, it was the first time that the series went to Florida, and it didn't rain. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, the weather right. <laughs> the weather was uh, you know high eighties, sunny all weekend long. We had a little bit of wind on Sunday, but every year we went to Ocala, we had an occasional thunderstorm that came rolling through and, and kind of sh- shook things up a little bit. So this was. The first time USPKS were in, was in Florida without any rain, so very unique for the program. So you're there for three full days, out of the track, taking photos, doing your job. Um, how burnt are you right now? Well, luckily, I, I tried to stay in the shade as much as possible. <laughs> so yeah, the the neck's a little red. I would say, but, I, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, thankfully, I've this is my fifth event in the sun. Isn't that crazy? So. I got a pretty good base going right now, which uh, is making a lot of my Michigan friends jealous. Yeah, hold on, take your take your shirt off. <laughs> yeah, it still looks like I'm wearing a white T-shirt. We won't. Yeah, we won't talk about that. That you're was not going uh, to, you're not going to the beach right now. That was a discussion between me and Sean Bur- Burkle uh, a little bit because uh, yeah, his neck was pretty red too, that's and funny. and he wears pants, so his legs are whiter than a ghost. So <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So David, listen, let, let's let's jump into this U- the, the USPKS series. Obviously, a massive start to the season. Uh, before we go to our first break, we'll jump into the by the numbers because record setting numbers on the weekend. But overall, it's an eight round championship, four weekends in total. How how I. I, I didn't. I haven't brought got myself up to speed. Is there a double point weekend for the final weekend? How's it all shake down in terms of counting points for the championship? No, each round is the same. Okay. You know, there's there's no change in the way the point structure is. It's not like other programs that you know increase the points. Uh, no, this is a straight up best seven of eight uh, rounds, 
so two rounds per weekend, four weekends uh, for the year. And, you know, yeah, so some drivers, you know, and we'll talk about that later, are probably going to count one of these as one of their drops if they can, yeah, no you know, moving forward, you know, some some championship contenders and and other drivers as well, too. You know, some that didn't even make the main event and some of the one of the four categories that had LCQ. So amazing. Amazing for sure. As David mentioned, gorgeous weather, high 80s and sunny all weekend, had that wind coming on Sunday. But uh, again, David, let's let's go by the numbers. You know, when we did our preview outlap podcast, we talked about what the numbers could be. And, you know, there was so much momentum, so much chatter uh, about this opening round of the USPKS, the different approach to, hey, this is what we're going to do in terms of numbers. The first three categories to uh, fill up the 40 carts. We're going to open those three categories. The rest will lock in. I think that was a really, really good play because, you know, notorious, notoriously the carding community likes to wait and wait and wait. Well, uh, in this particular approach like that, you can't wait, man. You, if you want to come, you got to enter. Otherwise, you may not be part of the event. You know, the FOMO is real. So let's have a look at the numbers, David, because 323 total entries, what you have down here, that is, uh, that's staggering. What a, what a fantastic weekend for a class, for, for a series with seven categories. Yeah, 30 more than what we had in Ocala last year. We thought that was going to be the biggest. And then, Correct. you know, the buildup, as you talked about, you know, talking about limiting classes to only 40, you know, help help kind of amp things up moving along. And, and again, just the uh, the want to be part of this event. Again, you know, numbers breed numbers and it's continuing to get bigger and bigger. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a matter of, okay, now what is going to be the biggest race? I think this this might be it for the year. I think it will be very similar to what we saw last year because you have uh, the state of Florida. A lot of those competitors like to just stay in yeah. Florida. So that, that kind of helps the numbers there. But GoPro will be close because, um, you know, they have a lot of local racers as well, too. And a lot of East Coast drivers tend to travel to GoPro for, for the big events. So I think this is going to be the big one. I think this will be the big one of the year. I don't think we're going to see anything else uh, quite like this uh, in terms of numbers. But um, and then competitively, it was, you know, it was sound all the way around. I thought we were going to get more K100 seniors. We did have over 60 entered um, trackside, but a couple were canceled. So um, so it dropped from to uh, 58 total. So we were too short of Ocala last year, which Ocala was just massive. And that actually instituted the whole split of having uh, two different pre-finals. So that was kind of the, f the format introduced for four of the categories this year because we had uh, um, Mini Swift go to 56. We yeah, had uh, X30 Pro go to 57. And then we also have K100 Junior that was split up. So we actually had four categories split up. Well, and interesting, David, um, obviously, you know, 30, 30 more drivers entries, not drivers, so 30 more entries from Ocala last year to the opener at, at uh, Orlando this year. But it's not like it was across the board. Like you said, dropping, dropping two, two less drivers in, in K100 senior, one less driver in junior, uh, five less drivers in the master's category. Um, but, but the big growth growth, as you talked about, number one, 41 drivers up to 56 in mini swift, the mini, the cadet categories are awesome. A total of 96 drivers total in the cadet categories between micro and mini micro up one mini up 15, the X30 pro class. What a jump that was David 18 drivers increased 39 last year at the opener, 57 in total 
in X30 Pro. Crazy to think that the West Coast struggling to get any drivers running in the 125cc liquid-cooled, air, you know, single-speed categories. But on Moss, everybody's running in the pro category over here in the East. Well, if you look at the entry hometowns, there's a lot of West Coast guys that were in the X30 Pro division. Interesting. You talk about like Dante Yu, uh, Ryan Vincent. Um, Frankie Mossman. Th- Frankie Mossman was yeah. another California driver. Um, yeah, there. I want to say there was at least a dozen drivers from the West Coast that, wow. were, okay. that were in X30 Pro. So again, well, numbers, br- numbers bring numbers, right? It's happening ex- over here, so they're running it over here. Exactly. So yeah. if if you know they had 40 drivers here, la- almost 40 drivers at Ocala last year, that kind of brings the incentive for some of these drivers to make the trek from California to Florida for this event. And again, it's the opening round. Everything, you know, it's a clean, it's a clean whiteboard. Nobody's, nobody's the top guy. Nobody's, you know, no, there's no championship points already. So this is kind of like, okay, let's go there. Let's see where we stand. Now it's a matter of, you know, if the numbers continue into GoPro as we, as we, as I said earlier. Yeah. David brought that up. This race, of course, are a land of the largest ever USPKS event, starting off the 10th edition of the program, 323 entries, all the events last year, over 250. We'll see how things shake down when they head to GoPro for uh, the second event on that four event program. Stay with us folks. When we get back, David had mentioned, he's got more to talk about uh, here in the paddock pass. Uh, Stick with us. Uh, We're going to be right back folks. More, more to come here on this edition of the EKN debrief. Winning takes top quality equipment, flawless preparation, experienced coaching, and passion. And at Team GFC, we live our passion. Developed by American karting champion Gary Carlton, the GFC chassis has become one of the newest brands to reach the top of the podium in North America. GFC has garnered victories and championships at all levels of the sport since its debut at the end of 2018. Shipper car drivers are at the front of the field in the GT14 frame, with the SS31 a consistent contender in tag and 100cc competition. Team GFC has arrive and drive packages available for all categories, including the mini and micro classes utilizing the GFC RR5 cadet chassis. These young pilots have the opportunity to be part of the Team GFC Young Driver Development Program. Learn from one of the best American carters with 28 years racing at the highest levels in the sport, offering personalized training on and off the track. Follow GFC Karting on Facebook and Instagram or click over to gfccarting.com to learn more about joining Team GFC. GFC, live your passion. You can buy all the latest and greatest products on the market. But when you're karting to win, it boils down to one thing. You, the driver. Gain the knowledge and abilities by investing in yourself at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. And you'll find those extra tenths of a second you need to put yourself on the podium. The school was established by Supercarts USA Hall of Fame driver Allen Rudolph with decades of victories and championships in multiple forms of the sport, including other disciplines of racing. Allen Rudolph Racing Academy, located at the Speed Sports Racing Park in the metropolitan Houston area, is designed to teach driving skills at all levels. The instructors of the academy have decades of racing experience and educating drivers of all ages. 
Classes at the Academy will teach the concepts and skills needed both behind the wheel and off the track. From the beginning kart racing experience and intro to karting courses, to their advanced one-day and two-day courses and karting clinics, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy can improve the skills of any driver. For more information on the specific programs that the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy can provide for you, head to speedsports.com and click on the Racing Academy page. Be sure to follow the Academy on social media by searching for Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Welcome back to episode 93 of our debrief podcast, where we take a deep dive into the event uh, that we were at with the Trackside Live program. David, of course, was at the United States Pro Kart Series Southern Grand Prix, the opening round of the USPKS for 2022. Uh, Orlando Karting Center, uh, Kart Center, rather, holding their first uh, USPKS event. Uh, David, let's jump now into the paddock path. This one brought to you by Comet Kart Sales. History, success, family. These are three words that describe Comet Kart Sales, one of the longest tenured karting businesses in the United States. The family-owned operation is located just outside of Indianapolis and has provided carts, parts, and services for thousands of racers in the near six decades of business. Their online store features everything you need, and they are continually adding new parts to their product line. Make sure you head over to CometCartSales.com or call them at 317-462-3413 to be part of the Comet Cart Sales family today. All right, David, the paddock pass. And again, for those of you new to the, the podcast, this is not the race report. We're not talking about what happened, the, the wheel-to-wheel racing. It's not, you know, it's not other stuff. This is more David being trackside. What happened to the paddock, chatting with people, what happened in the event overall? Yeah, and again, you mentioned it earlier. It's our. It was our first visit, the series' first visit to, uh, to the Orlando Cart Center. So it was kind of introduction. And Andre Martins, the owner of Orlando Cart Center, has been uh, really focused on on building that uh, the rental program. He's got a really good rental program there too, but uh, you know he has a, hosts a lot of racing as well, and so it was unique to go there again. It basically began, if I recall, as just a parking lot. It's uh, situated alongside what used to be a drag strip. Now the drag strip is actually a salvage yard for uh, broken and beat up cars. So it's, it's a little bit of eyesore to the, to the West, but uh, you know, thankfully um, you don't really pay attention to that too much, but um, it made you feel, made me feel like old school South Garda where the paddock is so tight because again, we had record numbers. So that was really the big question going in was how we were, how we were going to fit everybody in there. And that's kind of been the, the, the movement because the numbers are so large. Well, Let's we can come, only go. I, I want to come back to that. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we can only go to places that can hold us. Well, when they announced Orlando cart center, that was a big scare. Really? Yeah. It was a scare. It was how we're going to get everybody in there. Well, it, they fit us all in there like sardines. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it reminded me of the really narrow lanes. Um, like again, old school South Garda, not the newer South Garda because they, they've, uh, they've done a, uh, yeah. A lot of stuff to it, but it reminded me of that. There's very narrow pathways to get through to uh, to where you need to go. Yeah, if there would have been a fire, it would not have been good. Um, sorry, <laughs> no I fire lanes, no yeah. fire lanes, right? I mean, there are fire lanes, but they, you know, again, it was it was maybe big enough to get a car through. Well, David, was did they 
did they like hold did they pinch down on some of the hospitality areas or was everybody set up like they normally are and they just used every did they just tighten up the the actual travel ways yeah a, a majority of everybody had their setups pretty much the same as they typically do right. you know trinity had their space uh speed concepts uh, Ryan Perry Motorsport, PSL Karting, Rollison, all those are sponsors. They all had their normal setup. Mike Doty Racing still had the circus size tent. It was, you know, fairly large. Um, so everybody fit. It was, you know, it was making sure those that had the smaller trailers are pitted with easy ups, you know, were a little bit smushed together, a little bit closer than the normal. Okay. But again, you couldn't get your you couldn't bring vehicles in. So it was, you know, you had to walk. They use the nearby um, uh, gravel pit as parking. So everybody's car and the paddock itself was just covered in dust all weekend long. So that was one <laughs> that was one okay. negative part of it. It was, uh, right. you know, it was not clean uh, because of all the dust, uh, you know, allergies and, and sinuses were, were going haywire all weekend long. So yeah, um, all right. okay. that that was that's a kind of a downside to it. But it is closer to the airport. You know, so you don't have to make that hour and a half trip to Ocala like we yeah. used to. Yeah. Um, you know, and and overall, I think that the racetrack raced well. It's just a matter of it kind of reminds me of, of a lot of the temporary circuits that's that are being built with the back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. You got a right turn, left turn, right turn, left turn. And it had a really long straightaway. Um, and, and the hairpins were obviously, uh, um, uh you know, a factor throughout, throughout the weekend, but also where they have pavement inside the curbing. Again, guys using up more curbing than they should, you know, talking about, Oh, well, some people are cutting the corner, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that was a little bit, uh, you know, questionable, but, um, again, he built that place as a rental cart track. You know, some, some of the problems that we see at say GoPro motorplex where they, you know, have, they have the extra runoff or, you know, like I just said, the curbing that it's paved inside the curbing rather than being grass or, yeah. or you know, this and that. So it's a little you know, the big one of the biggest problems throughout the weekend, though. I don't think I've ever seen this before anywhere was the track eating up the battery hold uh, the battery brackets, like literally destroying the brackets, holding the battery onto the chassis and ripping them completely off. And the battery would go flying. What? How? How'd that happen? I, it's, hit, it's hitting the curbs. You know, everybody oh, okay. talked about, you know, how hitting the curbs at Homestead were so rough. Well, this was, this was a, this Orlando Kart Center is a battery killer. It literally is. I think we saw at least five or six batteries destroyed. And if not many, many more that were ripped off their cart wow. and then guys were coming in, you know, underweight. Was or... it, David, was it, was it in that like the, the, before you come, you do the big left-hand sweeper coming back to the check, the checkered flag setup. Was it that right, left rear? Like, like they were just pounding the curb through that, that left, right combination. No, it's the, it's the S's. It's the S's um, that take you to the, the left-hander that leads on to the start finish. Lane. That's, what, that's what I'm talking about. The final left-hand sweeper kind of around the, the left-hander that you come through the S's there, right? It's the left, the little left, right S's where they hammered that. Second oh yeah. Yeah. In. Before, before the in, in, inner sweeper. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 They hammered the, 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 the way that they were hammering that second curb was crazy. Well, it's, it's hitting the first curb and coming down so hard that, you know, the left, the left side of the cart gets, put up into the air and it comes slamming down and then it hits the 
the right curb. So it adds even more stress on the I left see. side of the chassis. Yep. So it's, it's, and then even in uh turn, I guess it would be turn three, the really quick left-hander after the double rights, after the start finish line, it, the curb there is very, very um, sharp and was grabbing. I saw, I saw literally a battery disintegrated there uh, wow. on this, on the sideline. So right. um, it's just, again, it was, it was a battery killer. Um, people weren't complaining about being um, sore, roughed up. So I guess that has something over the homestead curbing that we used to have, but, um, because, but again, it's a back and right or back left and right, left, right, left, right. It back and forth, back and forth type of racetrack. So very unique, but, um, uh, there really weren't too many complaints about the racetrack itself. Uh, well, that's interesting. What else you got from the paddock pass? Well, one of the one of the key aspects going forward with the United States Pro Kart Series is a little bit of a change up again with the staffing and the race direction um, for the program. Uh, I wasn't aware of this, but uh, it was announced during the the drivers meeting on Friday that uh, longtime race director Jason Lugwood would be uh, calling his last race. This would be it for him. Okay. Uh, the Quincy, Illinois native, uh, longtime veteran in the sport has uh, decided to step away and uh, kind of focus on, uh, you know, his own his own stuff and, and stay away from uh, the race director side of karting and maybe get back to being a wrench or or just enjoying the sport, you know, at the club and regional level. So he's not, um, he's not the first guy that's been chased away or decided to leave the the uh, the worst job in karting. Right? And again, that's that's really what it boils down to. You know, he's, you know, talking to him, it's just personally it you know some he was letting it get to him a little bit too much yeah and you know again that's something that you can't take home with you and have to deal with on a wednesday after a race weekend it really yeah. shouldn't be and and on, unfortunately that's the bad side of our sport where where people uh do not have the common courtesy or the politeness or the respect that they should be given and uh unfortunately those those few bad apples uh kind of tend to ruin things for for the rest of us. And really yeah. it, it's ruining it because Jason is probably one of the best race directors that we had out there. Yeah. You hate to see that, right? That, that a couple of bad apples will sour that milk and really, really change someone's experience because it, that, that role as the race director, as we know, it, it's such a tough role. It, it's almost like you can't win. You make one call, somebody else is pissed off. You make this call, the other side's pissed off. And, and it's just such, such a tough role. And again, uh, you know, we—I heard nothing but great things about Jason Ludwig's performances as, as a race director, and was probably obviously David. I think part of the growth and success of the USPKS is what he brought to the table, right? He certainly was. You know, he was the calm, collective, you know, race director that would talk to you politely and respectfully, and again, try and and make sure the the correct call was made and go the extra mile to make sure you know things were looked at properly and done in the proper manner. And, you know, people, I guess, you know, some people took advantage of that. And unfortunately, that's the downside of being the race director. So talk about uh, additional staff as well for this this particular weekend at the USPKS. I know that uh, Tim Coy and I watched something on social media where he was actually going to be the new kind of video review uh, <laughs> staff member from, for the pushback bumper. Uh, obviously, if you had a pushback bumper penalty, you could, you could pay a certain amount once. Uh, you could do it one time on the weekend. Uh, if you were unsuccessful, if you were successful, you can come back and do it again. But how how things go with the 
the pushback bumper video review program. Well, it's very similar to like what we have in the NFL with the challenge flag. Okay. Yeah. So think about it that way. It's an yeah. easier you know, scenario where you can challenge this push pushback bumper. If you win it, you can keep, you can continue to challenge later. If you don't, that's it. You're done. That's your one challenge. You're not allowed to challenge again. So it, it puts a little bit of, you know, thought into the competitor's mind of, okay, yeah. do, do I have enough proof in my video to show that my pushback bumper was not during a, a avoidable contact or something that would be deemed a penalty? Yeah. Because if it was, then the pushback bumper would, uh, penalty would not be overturned. So that was, uh, yeah, so that was new because they used to do that for just the finals. Now they're doing it for pre-finals and finals. And that was the, uh, again, that's something that the, the series is is learning to adapt to and something Tim Coyne was, was kind of thrown at right away and needed the assistance of the other race directors because there were so many of the, uh, the, penal the uh, penalties trying to be overturned. So it could be something, you know, maybe they hire somebody down the line to be that person only. Um, we'll have to see how they address that moving forward. But talking to people in the paddock, it was a great move because everybody knows pushback bumper doesn't necessarily mean you caused an incident or you deserve a penalty, whether it be, you know, bottleneck at the start or somebody spun out in front of you and you slammed right into the side of them because you had nowhere to go. Yep. Certain situations, you know, doesn't mean the pushback bumper deems a, a penalty. So, uh, so uh, there was a lot of positive talk about that. Unfortunately, it does, it does require a lot more uh, assistance from the staff to, to be able to over, you know, to review all of these videos and, and to be able to make that call on, on different situations because everyone's not the same. Oh, they're all different. Um, aside from that, with Jason stepping away, they've, they've brought in some, some um, new and um, familiar people uh, as, as race directors or assistant race directors. Um, Jason Dietrich is actually, I think going to be the head race director moving forward. Um, he's a OVRP guy. He's been, uh, with a number of different programs, does a lot of racing, actually working on an article with him because he's doing a, uh, a 50 for 50. He's trying to go karting in all 50 States, or at least be part of karting somehow in all 50 States. So that's an article I'm actually working on him with right now. Nice. I like it. Um, David Coates and Alec Coates. We've seen them at Scusa. We've seen them at stars program as well. They were there, uh, providing assistant race directing, and Bobby Radovoy was still head flagman. So that's going to be his role as well, too. I'm trying to think of who else was the other one. Oh, Blake Hunts and a, a racer and somewhat race director at GoPro. And then um, uh, what's the other one? Adam Kreppen. Adam Kreppen is the other other eyes on the track as well, okay. too. So interesting. Uh, there it is, folks. That is the Paddock Pass brought to you by Comet Cart Sales. We get out, uh, back after this break. It's time to jump into the race report. We'll start with X30 Pro and KA100 Senior. Don't go anywhere. Time to start talking about the racing from the USPKS opener in Orlando. In karting, it's important to be supported by the right people. With over 40 years of experience in the sport, Trinity Karting Group has everything you need to make your program successful. We do it all, and we do it right. Trackside support and arrive and drive programs at many of Carding's biggest East Coast events, full product sales and service, and professional coaching from our experienced staff. 
Trinity Carding Group is a full-service operation based at the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati, which gives us access to our custom-designed driver training facility. This allows us to offer private one-on-one -on -one coaching to take you to the next level. From arriving drive and coaching programs to the parts you need, let Trinity Carding Group provide you with customer service and a racing experience second to none. Trinity Carding Group is an official Kart Republic race team providing full trackside support at all the major USA karting events, including the Scusa Pro Tour, the United States Pro Kart Series, Scusa Super Nationals 25, and other events throughout the 2022 season. TKG has in stock Kart Republic, IAMI, MG Novinko tires, and more products for those in Ohio and the Midwest region. Trinity Karting Group has a long history of the sport, a winning pedigree, and we're dedicated to driver development. We take pride in our professional approach and our positive attitude. Let us build a custom race program for you. Give us a call at 513-421-4463 or check us out online at trinitycardinggroup.com. Kometic Gasket is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for karting, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Kometic karting gaskets are available as OE replacement top end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Kometic can operate on the fly and has the unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Kometic's fiber materials are asbestos free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two cycle kit and Kometic's four cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Kometic can tailor to engine builder specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Kometic gaskets are must-haves for championship winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Kometic gasket, sealing championships since 1989. Welcome back to episode 93 of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden alongside David Cole, although I'm just kind of quarterbacking things here. David was trackside by himself as he was at the Challenge of the Americas race uh, uh, late to February. So he's doing all the heavy lifting here. I'm just kind of... It's uh, common kinda, for 2022, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you've, had a lot, you've had a lot of races already. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, I just meant I meant me and you aren't going to be together at a lot of races moving forward. No, year. we actually won't be. Like literally, we 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 go to Coda together, and then you're on holidays for Winter Nationals. I won't be at the Spring Nationals, and we probably won't see each other again until August. That's funny. Or late late July for the Summer Nats. That's, That's uh, interesting. Right. Interesting. It's a different season for sure. Uh, time to jump into the race report presented by CRG Nordam. CRG is one of the most iconic brands in karting, and they're primed and ready with new material and a never-ending focus on winning. CRG Nordam is the North American distributor for all CRG products. Based outside of Houston, Texas, CRG Nordam supports CRG dealers across the continent, reaching every corner of North America. Check out the new CRG KT5 for tag and shift racing, the Black Mirror for cadet competition, and the FS4 for Briggs 206 racing. Long-time CRG drivers will be happy to know that the CRG Road Rebel, the standard in quality and performance, is still available. For more information on the CRG product line, head to www.cartcrg.com 
and to inquire about a North American dealer near you, please email us at info at cartcrg-nordam.com. All right, David, let's jump into it. Those of you, again, new to our debrief podcast, I'll blast out the headline. David can fill in the rest uh, from what he did this past weekend. Here's the headline for X30 Pro. Norberg doubles to begin title defense. It was a near-perfect weekend for the defending champion as he only missed out in Saturday qualifying. That's something I didn't talk about in the paddock pass was the new format schedule where both – uh, both days of qualifying was held Friday afternoon, and they actually qualified Sunday first, and then they moved into Saturday so they didn't have to change back to uh, different tires uh, if they were using, utilizing the same set of rims for both um, Saturday and Sunday. Ah, okay. So Sunday was the first qualifying session, and Norberg actually qualified first in that session, but it was actually his teammate Paul Bocuse who beat him out for fast time in the Saturday session, which wrapped up the uh, the action for Friday qualifying. Moved into the pre-final where they split up the X30 Pro division into two. Norberg was able to, to hold the uh, to jump up to the number one spot in that race with uh, Alessandro Di Tullo in the uh, even pre-final winning that race to put those two drivers on the front row. Uh, an early challenge by Alessandro kind of caught Norberg off guard. And from there, that moment on, Norberg kind of put in the uh, the afterburners and was able to uh, to lay down super fast laps of the race, able to be at least one-tenth of a second quicker than anybody else in the field. Once he established a little bit of a gap, he was in cruise control mode and was able to drive away to a 1.5-second victory at his home racetrack with Alessandro finishing uh, in the second spot. So behind them was a good battle for third. It ended up being Paul Bocuse in the third spot to land on the podium with uh, fellow RPG driver Nate Cicero in fourth and Aaron Benoit in the fifth position. Benoit. Benoit. I know. I already say it. You I really should it. just you should, you should just type it out phonetically. I should just say <laughs> the wrestler, Aaron ben, Benoit. Whatever it is. Just type it out phonetically. Benoit. Yeah. Benoit. A hard charger in the race was uh, Cameron Weinberg up 14 spots. Uh, started 21st in the main event, up to seventh after a pushback bumper penalty in the final. But David, you know, really out pre-final, of the gate, yeah. probably be in the pre-final. Um, out of the gate, you know, for Norberg uh, again, leveraging the home track. He knows Orlando Kart Center very well. Wins the championship last year, his first after you know the domination by Brandon Jarsakrack for so many years. For you know, big, I think a big debut for Norberg, and obviously, you know, it, it paved the way for the rest of the weekend. But to be able to get out of the gate, start things off in what was an absolutely stacked field of drivers, that win for both Norberg and Rollison Performance Group was huge on Saturday. Yeah, but it it did show a little bit of weakness, and I Ooh. think that's what the uh, the competitors <laughs> noticed was how how he wasn't as quick early on in the races. So okay. that was kind of the goal. They even did that in the pre-final. They kind of went after him Sunday a little bit in the pre-final, uh, he dropped a third, was able to get himself back up to the front and score the win in the pre-final odd race. Uh, in the even race, it was Benoit and Thomas Naveau, the Canadian that was going back and forth, ended up being Naveau scoring the victory in that one. So he was alongside Norberg on the front row for the main event. And again, in the main event, they attacked quickly. That was That was kind of the plan, I think, by everybody was to go after Norberg and go after him quickly. Makes sense. He actually dropped down to the fourth spot 
but was back up into lead by lap number five. And then from there was able to put down again, pretty consistent and fast laps to be able to establish a gap. Uh, it wasn't much. Alessandro Di Tullio was able to get up in the second and keep him in sight, but was never close enough to make a battle, uh, a chance to battle. And uh, it was a close finish, uh, probably less than a, yeah, less than a, about one second as Norberg was able to score the victory over Alessandro. But Alessandro actually had a pushback bumper, so he lost three seconds, which made the margin of victory four seconds uh, in the final tally. Copy that. The uh, Tula was second, but David, let's talk about the last lap battle for P3. And that's exactly it. That was kind of the uh, uh, Benoit was kind of frustrated. He was sitting there in third, hoping, and he th- I think he knew uh, Alessandro had a pushback. So he's kind of just sitting there buying his time, hoping to be within that three-second gap to be able to move up into the second spot without having to make a pass on track. Uh, unfortunately for him, Marnie Kremers was right there on his bumper making a late charge, and those two went at it on the final circuit for the third position. Kremers was able to get him for the spot, and uh, as as they crossed the line, it was not enough to be able to move ahead of Alessandro for the with the pushback bumper penalty, so they ended up finishing third, Benoit in fourth, and then Thomas Naveau in the fifth position. Hey, interesting, only three drivers in the top five in both races, Norberg, DeTulio, and Benoit. Uh, hard charger, A.J. Myers on the Magic Cart, 11 spots up. 27th, the starting position in the main event, up to 16th in the final. David, uh, any indication of what happened to Myers to be to be 27th in the pre-final? Yeah, beaten around. Uh, the the, uh, the single speed guys did not like shifter cart drivers uh, in <laughs> X30 Pro or K100 Senior all weekend long. So right. uh, yeah. that was, yeah, Myers was battling contact. I think he did, I want to say maybe a top 10 finish on Saturday. But um, you said those three drivers in the top five both days, yeah. common thread, both Florida drivers. Uh, or all three, all three. All three Florida drivers, you're right. Yeah, again, local track knowledge. Now, you know, you talk a little about guys getting beaten up a bit, and we'll get to this when we wrap things up with, the, you know, you give us our final thoughts. But, man, a lot of stuff I read on social media, David, people were not happy. Uh, they were fine with USPKS, but not happy at all with just the overall respect and racecraft out there. We'll, we'll touch on that at the end of the, at the, end of the show. Um, let's go to KA100 Senior. David, here's your headline. Lemke and Stanfield escape chaos with victories. Yeah, it was K100 Senior that was the most chaotic category of the weekend and really the only one where we did not see any type of respect out front well, with out front, mid-pack, anywhere uh, wow. <laughs> throughout the weekend. Uh, Saturday qualifying session, Jeremy Fletcher was able to set fast time after Brandon Lemke had set fast time for Sunday's action. So it kind of shook things up a little bit in that in that terms as Fletcher was able to score the victory in the prefinal odd with Lemke scoring the win in prefinal even to fill up the front row. The uh, main event was essentially Fletcher, Lemke, and uh, Turlecki out front. They were uh, kind of running nose to tail here and there, battled a little bit, kind of swapped spots. Even Lemke and Turlecki didn't both drivers on the Merlin both drivers driving for Merlin Nation did not want to work together, which seemed odd because <laughs> there was three of them and they were the only two teammates running out, out front. So uh, so that a little bit that allowed uh, Alex uh, Dancho and James Bird to kind of keep a close gap 
uh, to the top three as they were having a pretty good performance, both of them themselves. Um, late in the race, though, Lemke was able to escape uh, both Fletcher and Terlecki and uh, drive away to a 2.6 margin of victory as Terlecki and Fletcher were fighting for the second position with Terlecki earning that spot. Uh, Alex Doncho finishing up in fourth. James Bird was part of it, but was uh, dropped further down the order on the final circuit. That allowed Alex Stanfield to move up uh, into the fifth position. Uh, indeed, let's have a look at the uh, hard charger. Nikita Panaris on the Lando Norris LN cart. David, 21-spot improvement. Had to, had to come through the LCQ to get into it to start 38th, ends up 17th. If you go into the LCQ, you end up 17th in that grid, you know, front half of the grid. That's a that's a decent day. Yeah, another one tied uh, with 21 spots as well, too. And I forgot to mark this down. Finnegan Bailiff, he was actually among the top finishers in the pre-final, but was uh, disqualified for weight. I think he lost his battery. Uh, and so he actually had to go up through the LCQ as well. Finished in the would have been the third spot. Yeah, third spot in the LCQ. And so he also advanced up 21 positions to 18th, so right behind uh, Nikita. All right, uh, KA100 Senior, let's move to the Sunday action right now. Lemke picked up where he left off, David, and qualified P1. Well, yeah, he qualified P1 to begin with on Friday and then uh, carried that uh, that P1 into a pre-final win. Chase Hand came up and scored the win in the pre-final even in a pretty good race uh, for the race win in that one. Sunday main event, a little bit of chaos. Uh, early contact between Liberante and Lemke kind of boiled over from the pre-final where Lemke gave Liberante a little bit of a bump and run and no a call was made by the officials. Liberante took a little bit into his own hands and put uh, Lemke, squeezed him off into the wall on the outside of what is turn number, I guess, four. It's a left-hander. And again, it has those. That's the one thing I didn't talk about with the Orlando Cart Center. They have these walls that uh, they he says are FIA approved, but I don't see them anywhere around an FIA karting circuit around the world. But uh, they're used mainly for the rental carts to keep them involved. They're, they're and they look like indoor indoor walls. Really, yeah. is what they look like. And uh, unfortunately, when you hit them, they do not give like a, a tech pro or Scribner Barry or anything like that. So it, it, it causes a pretty good, pretty good shunt. If you do hit them, uh, I don't think Lemke hit it as much as, as they made contact the two of them, either way, Liberante hit his left side and essentially drove over the left side of his cart. And in the process ripped the battery completely off of Lemke's cart. We thought, Lemke was injured, turned out to be he grabbed his battery and put it in his lap and was actually driving the rest of the way. I think this happened on lap. Um, let me see where it is. I think lap four It might have been even lap two. Let me see here. Lap number two happened on lap number two of a 18 lap race. Wow. So the contact happened in lap number two. Lemke looked down, saw the battery dragon, quickly grabbed it, put it in his lap and held it and drove with his right hand the entire distance. Now think about that. Most of the turns are right hand. So he's driving with his inside hand through majority of the corners uh, around this racetrack and was actually passing people. He fell all the way back <laughs> to 
13th at one point, made his way up to the 10th spot and continued to pass people late late in the race. And didn't well. he make an outside pass in one of the corners as well? Well, again, the guy, yeah, there's guys going back and forth. So I don't know if it was necessarily a complete, you know, cold trickle kind of move. Cool. But, um, but you can't just, hold it. But just the fact that Lemke drove better one handed than a majority of the field did with two hands just just kind of goes to show the type of talent that Lemke does yeah, agreed. hold. Agreed. Uh, so anyway, so that contact kind of shuffled up the field. Um, Stanfield ended up jumping out to the lead and led a majority of the race with Fletcher and Liberante right there. Uh, they're fighting with five laps to go brought in a host of others that, uh, again, brought on a little bit more contact, uh, as they were coming to the white flag, Fletcher and Liberante made some contact. I think Liberante drove over the, the left side of Fletcher, uh, yeah. as they were all shuffling for, for position. This allowed a, a host of drivers to get through. And as they were, and one of them was Chase Hand. Chase Hand came out of that corner with the lead, took the white flag as the leader. And then somehow him and, and Finnegan Bailiff made contact that sent Hand screaming to the left of the racetrack. Thankfully, he didn't hit a wall. He continued to spin and kept going, but the lead was gone. And now it was Bailiff and Stanfield out front and fighting for the win. Stanfield was able to work past uh, Bailiff with the last few few corners and was able to reach the checkered flag first. Uh, originally, and this is, I'll give you kind of the unofficial, I'll give you the unofficial order first. So we had yep. Stanfield ahead of Bailiff. Liberante came through with the third position ahead of Connor Ferris with Benoit in the fifth position. That was the provisional top five yep well bailiff got a penalty for the contact with hand after the white flag so he he fell down the order liberante was actually disqualified for fuel not to mention i believe contact penalty as well but the fuel obviously took him out of the uh, the results as well that moved ferris up to the second spot moved benoit up to the third lemke now who made a pass from ninth to fifth was moved up to fourth and then move Gia Cicero with RPG into the fifth position. <laughs> As David un, un, uh, unfolds and gives us all the information on the chaos. Wow. And I, I watching it, it was pretty much the same thing. It was, uh, wow. I was just shaking my head the whole time. Crazy. Uh, big win for Stanfield, though, getting that victory there. Hard charger Aaron Benoit. You mentioned that he ends up uh, third, started 25th in the race. So up 22 spots with all the penalties that, that happened all in all, David, you know, obviously you were there. I've seen the video that you have trackside of, of Liberanti chat with Fletcher. What was the, just to cap this section off here for KA 100 senior, what was the vibe like in the, uh, in the scale line after that much chaos, that much contact? It was, uh, what was the feel? Well, there was people pissed off at this person. And then that person was apologizing to apologizing to another person. That's essentially kind of what it was. You know, some people were apologizing to a, one person, but then they were getting yelled at by another person. And it was just kind of a big circle uh, of frustration uh, amongst the drivers, because again, it just, I, you go from X30 pro where guys were passing with, you know, respect, not, yeah, they would make a dive, dive bomb move. 
but we'd, we'd show a little bit of respect. Here, there was no respect whatsoever. And I, it, again, it just boils down to the the way KA100 is, and nobody gets off the gas. You know, it's that speed. There's not that difference of speed. Everybody's so tight. Uh, it's so close racing. I don't know. It You know, I, I kind of compare it to the Briggs stuff where guys, you know, are flat out. You know, they never get off the never get off the gas. They hardly break. And they just, you know, they use the cart to turn or they use somebody else to make the turn even better. Yeah, that's it, right? And, and that's else. what it, boi- that's what it's starting to boil down to. And again, the bumpers aren't helping, you know, you, you, it's so funny. You look at all the bumpers in that, in that chaotic race on Sunday. And I want to say there was maybe one pushback out of the top 10, you know, yes. they're all, they're all smushed. They're all crushed in, but they're not getting pushed back. If you, you know, yeah, so I hear you saying, but a lot of the contact too is side by side, side, the by stuff side. between, between Lemke and, and Liberante was side by side. You know, Lemke was on the outside. Liberante was on the inside and continued to push him out wide. That's, that's what boiled that contact. You know, the, the contact between Liberante and Fletcher, I think Fletcher just got bottled up and Liberante had nowhere to go and kind of ran over him. So I don't think that, you know, that necessarily wasn't deliberate. That was just kind of everybody going for the same piece of real estate with, you know, five, six carts altogether. Um, but again, overall, it's just, you know, Jake French getting blasted in the pre-final on Saturday for no reason. You're lap three of the pre-final and guys are racing like it's the last lap. Yeah. It's like settle into a groove, you know, Again, Lemke passed guys with one arm. That's 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 what sticks out for me right now. Yeah. If you're talented enough to get by people, you're going to do that. Otherwise, you're driving. Otherwise, guys are driving too dirty. That's really what it boils down to. Yeah. Well, and we'll we'll touch on it again when we when we wrap things up. But that seems to be kind of the uh, one of the topics of this particular weekend. Not only obviously fantastic turnout, great event, but the bottom line, especially in this KA100 senior class, the lack of respect really has people riled up. Uh, folks, another quick break. When we get back, uh, X30 Junior, KA100 Junior, and X30 Masters, all on this edition of The Race Report, brought to you by CRG Nordam. This is episode number 93 of the EKN Debrief, taking a deep dive into the opening round of the USPKS. Leading Edge Motorsports is the industry answer to winning in karting. At the helm is industry veteran Greg Bell, who has orchestrated the success of many drivers dating back to the mid-1990s. Based in Lodi, California, Leading Edge Motorsports is the Western importer with IP karting that includes the Praga and Formula K chassis brands. Leading Edge Motorsports provides in-depth driver development for those racers in Northern California and across the country. Arrive and Drive Services, Cart preparation and driver coaching are available under the LEM tent throughout the season. Bell's record of working with drivers includes recent victories at North America's biggest karting events, including the Rock the Rio and the Scusa Super Nationals. Greg Bell's knowledge for building engines spans two decades and is now under the Mega Power branding, providing reliable engine service and tuning knowledge. No matter the chassis brand, choose Mega Power to get to the front. Click over to LeadingEdgeMotorsports.com for more and find them on social media to stay connected. At Leading Edge Motorsports, winning never gets old. Acceleration Kart Racing is your first and only stop on the internet for carts, parts, and the safety gear you need to get you on the track. 
visit shopakr.com for a great selection of karting equipment on a user-friendly website. Acceleration Kart Racing has aligned itself with many of the top manufacturers and distributors of the sport to ensure all the latest equipment is available to you, the racer. With over 20 years in business and customer support available six days a week, you can be confident about getting the right parts at the right price when you need them. Be sure to visit shopakr.com today or stop by their headquarters in Las Vegas. Make sure to follow Acceleration Kart Racing on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest specials and new arrivals. Welcome back to the EK and Radio Network. Rob Howden alongside David Cole, who was trackside throughout the weekend down in Orlando for the opening rounds of this year's United States Pro Kart Series. We're uh, rolling into the middle of our race report here on this edition of the Debrief. Of course, this edition of that race report brought to you by CRG Nordam. David, let's jump into X30 Junior. We'll do the juniors and the masters here. The headline for X30 Junior, Gafara and Ingrata split chess match on the weekend. It was a two-driver fight all weekend long. Max or uh, Caleb Gaffera and Aiden Ingrata going toe to toe, pretty much pre-final and final all race long. Saturday, Gaffera was the top driver in qualifying and pre-final, and pretty much led the majority of the main event. Ingrata was able to make a date uh, a late move into the hairpin, uh, leading on to the long back straightaway. As they went down on the final lap to the the end of the straightaway where there's another hairpin, uh, Ingrata went to a defensive mode. Gaffera held back just a little bit on the outside. As soon as Ingrata moved back to the outside to set up for the hairpin, that's when Gaffera made the move to the inside, was able to capitalize by reaching the apex first, and that was the move for the race win as Gaffera was able to hold him off in the final few corners to score the victory in the main event. Uh, Leonardo Scorpioni on the Tony card ends up in third spot. Max Garcia in fourth and Christian Miles rounding out the top five. Uh, hard charger David Julian DaCosta on a Tony card up 19 spots. Started at the tail of the field in 40th, but ended up 21st. Yeah, it was actually Garcia that was quick time on Saturday. Sorry, I forgot. I messed that up. Both start with the G. I thought it was the same, same <laughs> no name. Uh, because Saturday was the second qualifying session. Then that was actually the only session that Caleb Gaffera was not. See, I got that. I think I wrote that wrong. I think Gaffera was top qualifier both days. Or I don't know. You, you keep you keep talking. I'll <laughs> you keep talking. I'll go look. How's that sound? I'm pretty sure it was Garcia that was that was the top qualifier on Saturday, but on Sun for Sunday the opening set again they go Sunday to Saturday, so it's throwing me off there. Um, Gaffera was the top qualifier for Sunday's event, but Ingrata overnight was able to find a little bit more pace, especially in the pre-final with Gaffera trailing. Uh, say then in the main event, Ingrata led a majority of the race, so he was the guy that was uh, the setting the pace throughout the race. Uh, but Gaffera made a late charge last lap, was able to take the lead on the final circuit, uh, I want to say in the early portion of the lap. But Ingrata was able to uh, to get a good run down the uh, down the straightaway and was able to get uh, get around Gaffera before the corner and then was able to hold him off with a drag race to the line to score uh, the victory for the Sunday main event. Yeah, all the main events that I watched, tough one, right? You go down that back straightaway. If you defend to the inside, you're going to push wide on the exit. Pretty classic over-under, then the run back to the S's. 
Uh, but if you don't defend, <laughs> then the guy's going to make the move to the inside coming in. A lot of passes were made there, as David said. Um, a Scorpioni, another podium finishing finish for Leonardo. Well done. Uh, Garcia ends up in fourth once again. This time, Teddy Masella, the Rawlson Performance Group driver, has really turned things up here throughout the start of 2022, rounding out the top five. Aiden Lorenko on the FA cart, David. Hard chargers, 18 spots, started 42nd, worked his way up to 24th. Yeah, again, the X30 Junior class put on a good race. There was uh, not a lot of chaos, not none that, that I recall whatsoever. So uh, overall, a great weekend for, for that category. Let's go to KA100 Junior, and here's the headline. Garcia and Miller earned first victories at USPKS. Yeah, for Garcia, it was his first weekend aboard the KA100 Junior package at USPKS. He's done some local and regional racing with the engine package now into his second season in the junior ranks. But as I mentioned earlier, Caleb Gaffera was among the top qualifiers uh, on Friday, and he picked up both uh, fast times for both sessions in KA100 Junior. And that set him up with the pole position for the odd pre-final where he went on to win uh, with the second quickest driver in qualifying, Elio Meza, winning the win and winning, scoring the win in the even pre-final, which set up a great two-driver battle in the main event. Gaffer led the first 17 laps with Elio Meza right there on his rear bumper, ended up being a last lap showdown between the two. As they were exiting the hairpin at the end of the long straightaway, the two made contact as they looked like to me going for the both same piece of real estate where Meza was trying to pull the over under and Caleb was trying to to uh, pull the shallow exit rather than going all the way out. Uh, anyway, the two made contact. Meza was spun around and was unable to continue while Gaffero continued on and was able to cross the line first as the provisional winner. However, officials penalized him down to finish behind Meza, which ended up putting Gaffero into the 34th position. That promoted Max Garcia to the top of the podium. Yeah, I, obviously I watched it on Cart Chaser. I, I was quite surprised that the that they penalized Gaffera for that one. It seemed to me, same as, as you just said, kind of just side-by-side -side contact coming out of the corner, two different angles to the line, obviously, over-under for um, Elio Meza. So, you know, he's going to push wide on the exit with that entry. And Gaffera trying to pinch him off. It's, it was, I was a bit of a surprise there, but again, Garcia. Well, oh, go. No, go ahead. I, I was I was going into the, the top five, so yeah. It you know what it reminded me of? What's that? Super Nationals. Mesa had the same situation with Carson Morgan in the KA100 Junior main event. The last lap, they were both going for the same piece of real estate, and Mesa hit the wall and yep. was out of the race. So you know this time there was no wall. This time Mesa and Grafer made contact, and Mesa climbed up onto. Um, onto Caleb's cart and spun around. So yeah. Yeah. Odd call for me. I, I it's a, I, it's a tough, again, talking to the officials, they said it was side by side and Grafer moved over onto him. So again, but I, if he's the leader, he has the right to go where he wants to go as the leader. Well, to a certain extent, you can't just drive over, right. driver, but well, to me, it, it, and just be watching it. It didn't look like you're, you're coming out of the corner, moving over a little bit. It, it's just that to me, that, that's side by side. That's just contact, right? You're racing hard it's, for the race win. That's 
contract. And that and that's where you know again, it's being a race director. It's it's a tough role. Unforgiving. Because sometimes you have to sometimes you have to turn your face turn your head on that last lap. You know, guys are just going for the same piece of real estate. Now it wasn't deliberate. You know, I'm going to take you out move, but you know, it's contact. Sometimes contact does happen in racing, and that's that's something you know you. We always have to find the right mixture of the balance. Yeah. The balance. And it's coming, it's coming to an agreement of what, you know, is a bump and run okay? Because you talked about a couple of bump and runs have been all right. In yeah. My mind, if in my mind, if a guy is blocking me on the final lap, or if I'm blocking on the final lap to try to get the win, I'm ready for the bump, right? If, I, if I'm blocking 100% block, I'm going to get tapped in the back. Of course, I'm ready for that. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to get around the corner to the exit in time. That's okay with me as long as it's a classy bump and run that doesn't push push back the bumper. And, right? and so, that's and that's the hard part because different programs see things differently than agreed. other programs. We don't have a standardized way of yep. looking at at it through as a race director. Yeah, you're right. You're 100% right. Um, yeah, because you look at the Super Nationals. I think it was Gaffera actually that, that did the bump and run on, I think it was Fletcher might've been the last chance qualifier uh, or whatever race it was bump and run in turn turn number two, they penalized him for the bump and run. uh, And then, you know, the contact here, Kefera gets the, gets the short end of the stick on this one. And again, of course, Mesa did as well as Mesa fell to the tail of the field and they put Kefera behind Mesa, right? That that was kind of the the crux of the penalty moving Kefera behind Elliot. Yes. That's exactly what it was. Yep. That's what I figured. All right. Well, that's the first race. Let's go to the second one because uh, obviously Gaffera disappointed uh, with not getting the win. Garcia, let's go back. Garcia does get the victory with the penalty. Parker Long ends up in second and Cooper Shipman rounding out the top three. Landon Skinner in the fourth spot and Lucas Zabo capping off the top five. Gaffera didn't let him, didn't let him affect him. David came right back out of the gate, qualified on, uh, actually on Sunday, already qualified on the pole. But then was right back into the fight again throughout throughout the day. Although it looked like Cooper Shipman and Elio Meza getting the pre-final wins. Yeah, Shipman was able to come through with the you know had that momentum of being on the podium Saturday. Came through yeah. in uh, Sunday morning with the pre-final win, so he was able to beat out Caleb in that race. Uh, when we got to the main event, Gaffera was uh, you know a little bit back because of I think he started from row three or row four because of the pre-final result was able to jump up to the lead late uh, after getting shuffled down to seventh at the start. Um, had a last lap defensive line going onto the straight. Unfortunately, just did not have the momentum to carry it down the straightaway. And that allowed um, Meza and Stephen Miller to both get by. And then as they came through the final couple of corners, uh, Miller and Meza went side by side. And it was essentially a, a drag race. Uh, down to the line with Stephen Miller able to score the victory over Meza by 83 thousandths of a second. Wow. And it was actually a good bounce back for Miller, who was running fifth on Saturday until the last lap when his throttle cable had just broken as he was coming up to the line. Oh, no. Hey, listen, good start to the season for Stephen Miller, right? Some pretty good success at the Supercarts USA Winter Series, showed some uh, wet weather prowess, and then able to come out here and grab a win in the second round of the USPKS. What a good way to start the season for the Florida driver. 
yeah, home track, home state advantage for him. So uh, and got better on the interview side of things as well, too. So uh, (laughs) so we'll keep working with Miller and hopefully we'll see him. He actually said he's going to do some USF juniors, I believe, is what he said in the interview. Yeah, we were he and I I talked to he and I were talking down at St. Petersburg. And I I mentioned that he did a good job in that first ever interview and he was kind of beating on himself. I'm like, listen, man. When you get a camera in your face for the first time, it's tough. So, like you said, did a little bit better the second time, which is good. And I thought he did great the first time, too. Uh, Elio Mesa, David, coming back for second spot. Gaffera in third. Uh, Parker along fourth. And Max Garcia fifth. You mentioned how some drivers were going to have to use that, you know, one of these races as their drops. It's going to be likely Mesa and Gaffera, right? Those are two drivers that didn't get a result in the opening round, but came back for podiums in round number two. They, they've got work to do. Uh, for the remainder, the remaining three events on this year's UP, USPKS schedule. Yeah, along with Miller, if he decides to continue on True. as well, yeah, too, right. with uh, DNF on Saturday. So that puts uh, Parker DeLong and uh, Max Garcia up front in the championship chase early. Yeah, you're right. Miller, Mesa, and Gaffera uh, both had issues on Saturday. Wow, tough one for both those drivers. Uh, Walter Jenkins, the fourth on a red speed. Uh, Red Speed rather gets a 19 position improvement. He and Reagan Seville both with the hard chargers. Uh, Jenkins from 39th up to 20th, and Seville 40th up to 21st. Seems to me like they may have worked together <laughs> coming out of the LCQ. Yeah, you got to love that coming from the LCQ. I think we did. We mentioned the Austin Olds one as well, too, from Saturday. Uh, we what did we not. Thought? Austin Olds, you're right. Good, good to bring that up. Austin Olds 27 spots. Wow, that is massive. Uh, last chance qualifier to get into the show, Austin on the uh, Will Power Cart up to 13th, 27th position from 40th. What a great drive that is! Yeah, I was ge- I was giving him some uh, some some crap about about uh, being in the LCQ. Yeah, giving him some business, but uh, he was able to actually make it through uh, without the LCQ on Sunday. So that was fun. Good for him. Good for that's awesome. Good for Austin. Uh, let's go to X30 Masters now, David. And here's the headline. Romalho doubles up in dominant performance. It wasn't a perfect score on the weekend, but it certainly was a dominant performance, especially on Sunday. But to begin with Saturday's action, he qualified uh, really on pole position both days. Uh, so that put him on the pole position for the pre-final. But it was Mario Barrios that came through with a pretty quick uh, pre-final session, was able to uh, knife his way up to the front and score the victory. Uh, in the main event, however, Barrios slipped down to the third spot, and uh, that allowed Romalo to go through with the lead, and then Scott Cop into the second spot. Those two were the guys out front. Cop tried for a, a pass on the lead in the last lap, actually got into the lead through uh, the hairpin leading onto the straightaway. Unfortunately, did not run the defensive line into the hairpin at the end of the straightaway. That opened the door for Romalo to slip through and uh, and steal the lead at the end of the long straight and able to hold on through the final corners to score uh, his first victory at the USPKS program by three-tenths over Scott Cop. Barrio sit there in third, Scott Roberts in the fourth position, and Robert Mayer in fifth. Uh, hard charger up seven spots from 19th position to 12th. Mark Pavin on an expree. Uh, David, sun, uh, Sunday, it was all Ramal who had qualified on pole uh, on Friday and uh, won the pre-final and the main event. Yeah, contact shuffled up the order at the start behind him, but that did not stop him from laying down a pace that was, I want to say it was almost two tenths quicker than anybody at the beginning of the I race know. where Mamalo was just on a rail. Yeah, he ran a 56.0 uh, 
and everybody else was in the 56.2 or slower. So two tenths quicker than anybody in those early first half of the race. So he was able to establish a 5.2 second lead by the time the checkered flag waved. Uh, So yeah, contact shuffled up the order behind him. Roberts ended up dropping down to fifth and Scott Kopp, who was actually disqualified because of weight and qualifying, made his way up through the field to, I think, about fifth in the pre-final, but then got shuffled back down to ninth at the start, along with Barrios getting spun around as well, too. So a little bit of a shuffle allowed uh, Danny Robertson to slide through for the second spot early on, and he was able to hold that to the checkered flag. Scott Roberts bounced back up into the third spot with Scott Kopp ended up finishing in fourth with Lorenzo Mardan finishing in fifth. Yeah, Technocart USA driver grabbing the P5 position. Uh, again, Romaldo, pretty strong weekend. David coming out of the gate, he'll be the point leader. But Scott Kopp, the defending champion, P2 and P4. Uh, Roberts, uh, what, third and fourth? Uh, still a pretty good yep. little uh, scrap lining up here as they head to GoPro. Well, yeah, this was the only uh, championship that we had in the first nine years that ended in a tie and had to go down to the tiebreaker right. with uh, with Cop and Mario Barrios. So if uh, you know if everybody can catch up with Romalo and if he does decide to do the full season, uh, you know it should be a pretty interesting uh, championship as well. For Sunday, Greg Leahy on the Cart Republic was the hard charger in X30 Masters, uh, eleven spot improvement. Started twenty first, ended up in the top. 10. All right, folks, one more, uh, a couple more breaks. Uh, we get back after this one. Uh, we'll get back into this race report presented by CRG Nordam. We'll give you the cadet categories, mini Swift and micro Swift after this quick break. Are you ready to go from carts to cars? Since 1975, the Skip Barber Racing School has taken great drivers and made them champions. Today, we're proud to welcome the next generation of winners. Make the transition from carts to cars with the Skip Barber Formula Race Series. You'll compete at the most iconic tracks in America. Race weekends include your very own equalized Formula 4 race car, a professional crew, expert instruction, video and data analysis, hospitality, and more. This is the place to fulfill your dream of becoming a champion. Sign up today by calling 866-932-1949 or visit us at skipbarber.com. The Briggs & Stratton 206 engine is where out-of-the-box ease and outstanding consistency meet to create legendary races. Briggs & Stratton's history of motorsports dates back to when the first engines came off the assembly line in the early 1900s. Their focus on the grassroots level continues to help build generations of racers. Since 2008, the Briggs & Stratton 206 has gained a following that has the engine powering the largest fields in North American karting today. From the club level of track programs to traveling regional series and national events, Briggs & Stratton competition provides the most exciting racing in the sport. Engineered and hand-built exclusively for racing, every Briggs & Stratton 206 engine power-tested, and serialized before it goes in the box. Carters can take that engine straight from the box to their cart and be on the podium at the end of race day. Be sure to follow Briggs & Stratton Racing on Facebook and through at Race Briggs on Instagram. To learn more about the 206 engine or to find the North American dealer near you, head to BriggsRacing.com. Briggs & Stratton Racing, what powers you? 
Appreciate you hanging in here with us, folks. This uh, edition of the debrief, lots more to come. Still, Mini Swift and Micro Swift. Before we wrap things up for the this edition, taking a deep dive into the USPKS opener at the Orlando Kart Center, the Southern Grand Prix. Uh, David Cole uh, and myself, Rob Howden, giving you the insight. Here is the Mini Swift headline: Parallel sweeps thanks to Della Vecchia and Roberts. Yeah, Parallel scored the victory, but there was a number of different drivers and a number of different chassis brands that were in contention all weekend yeah. long. This was a, a pretty good category to watch, uh, both uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Della Vecchia was the top qualifier for the Saturday round of action, and when they split up the group into two different pre-finals, actually Oliver Weldon on the LN cart, racing cart, that scored the win in the odd pre-final with Tyler Roberts, the Texan on the Parallel in the uh, pre-final, even as the winner. Uh, the main event actually boiled down to being Della Vecchia and Weldon battling for the lead. Um, as they battled on the last lap, that brought a host of others uh, into the mix. And so it was a good little scrap in the final few corners. Uh, as they made their way through that inner left-hand corner leading on to the last straightaway, a little bit of contact spun around Weldon, and that collected Tyler Roberts. So they were unable to continue towards the checkered flag at that moment that opened the door for Della Vecchia to slip by or slip or escape uh, with the lead and was able to score the victory for his first uh, series victory as Keelan Harvick came out of that scrap in the second spot with uh, Carson Weinberg in the third position, Asher Osteen on the Tony cart in fourth, and then Sarah Bradley all there in the mix on the Parallel in fifth. Yeah, Sarah Bradley, very quick throughout the weekend as well. We'll update what happened to her on Sunday. Uh, hard charger, Ethan Tovo on the Nitro cart, started all the way back in 35th position, able to advance 23 spots. He gets into 12th, so a good run for Ethan Tovo. But as you said, uh, Delavecchia, Salvador Delavecchia getting uh, his first USPKS Series win. David, let's uh, move into Sunday. Uh, Carson Weinberger qualified on the pole based on his pace in those Friday sessions. Uh, let's have a look at how things shook down in the pre-finals and, of course, the main event. Yeah, Weinberg actually ended up as the top qualifier for Sunday with uh, Della Vecchia and Weldon each splitting the pre-finals. So they were the drivers on the front row for the main event. Actually, up, actually ended up being a three-driver fight for the victory with Weinberg joining uh, Della Vecchia and Weldon there. Uh, Weinberg led a majority of the race, but both uh, Della Vecchia and uh, I'm sorry, it was Tyler Roberts, not Weldon, that were up front. Uh, it was uh, Della Vecchia and Roberts that were able to pass Weinberg on the last lap. And then they decided to race for the top spot through the last corner as well. Ended up being a drag race to the line uh, with with the uh, with the race ending in a seven thousandths of a second split between Tyler Roberts and uh, Salvador Della Vecchia uh, for the race win. Uh, Della Vecchia finishing in second, but uh, was penalized, uh, disqualified for, let me get what the official result was, uh, for being too, uh, for post-race tech. So not exactly sure what happened in the tech barn, but essentially that uh, you know, took him off the podium. That moved Oliver Weldon into the second spot and moved Asher Osteen into third as uh, Weinberg was penalized. He actually ended up crossing the line in fifth. Uh, he was penalized uh, down to the 12th spot because of blocking on that last lap. 
Wow, a lot of action, a lot of action happening. I watched the end of that one, and uh, Roberts got a really good run on Delavecchia. Delavecchia was already celebrating coming across the line, and Roberts just able to nip him, as you said, seven thousandths of a second at the line. Weldon second, Oxstein in third, Giamatea Russo fourth, and Kai Johnson finishing in the fifth spot. Uh, the hard charger, Lucas Palacio. Uh, I believe, started back in 37th. He was able to work his way up into the 17th spot, so a 20-position improvement for Palacio. But, David, one of the the cool things, obviously, and the video that you had was really, really cool. You were able to get Roberts coming across the scales, making it through the scales, and then you followed him all the way through kind of the the paddock area there on the exit of the deal. Uh, All the the celebrations with the family, mom and dad, all the – you know, everybody congratulated him. That was just just a cool opportunity to be part of that experience for Tyler Roberts. Yeah, that's something that we'll do more of this year. Again, it's a it's the cool aspect of our sport. I think that's that a lot of people don't see or aren't familiar. You know, it, it's there are there are there's other team teams that come over and congratulate. There's obviously the family, the mechanics, but but again, the sport. There's a lot of people that come over and congratulate the actual winner, whether it be you know a rival or a fellow or former teammate or. You know, for for Roberts, it was all the Texas guys who were there yeah. giving them, yeah. you know, giving them a, a handshake and a high five. But um, no, that uh, and then the hard charger Palacio that he came up through the LCQ. Like I think he wanted to, I think he started last in the LCQ, made wow. his way up, and uh, was able to 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 get a transfer position and then continue scoring, driving forward. Um, you know, he had a good weekend. You know, to recover from that, and then uh, I want to say a top ten finish on Saturday as well. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, Let's go to the micro swift category. Here's the headline. New uh, USPKS winners with Samet and Simone. Now, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm saying Samet correct. Marco Samet. It could be Samut. I'm I'm not sure. It's a new driver to me. It happens all the time in micro when the new drivers come in. I do know Simone's because I've been covering that family for 25 years, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> with, his, with his father, Anthony. Uh, but David, let's, let's, let's just jump in here right now for the drivers in the micro swift category, both Samet and Simone getting wins. Yeah. And this was another good category too, where we had a number of drivers uh, in the lead pack uh, both days. Saturday uh, began with uh, Kennedy on the pole position, Edward Kennedy on the cart Republic for the pre-final. He was shuffled back a little bit as Jackson Gibson, on the RPG Cosmic was able to come through uh, with a pre-final win. But again, I want to say there were six drivers making a, a great battle up front with a number of drivers leading. So it was a good a good mix of uh, good shuffle at the front of the field. Uh, eventually, it was Marco Samut who uh, ended up uh, with the lead and was able to come across uh, for the victory. So scoring his first US, USPKS victory, also scoring the first for the LN racing cart uh, at the USPKS uh, program with uh, Mike Doty Racing, so a good win for the uh, the Northeast driver. So is, uh, it, he is was, it is it Samut? I think it's Samut, but I never was able to uh, to confirm or deny that. Well, if, he, <laughs> if he's going to keep running like this, we're going to have to get it right for these races. So we'll figure that out again. Uh, first time we saw him. So yeah. again, yeah, that was uh, again. There's a lot of new names in the micro division because on Cart Chaser they use like about eight or eight or nine different pronunciations. So we'll we'll figure it out. We'll talk to Marco and the family to get it get it correct moving forward. Yeah, I would go with Samut for now, and then you know say it how you spell it, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I only say that because I know there's a Samet that races in Canada. It was a kart racer in Canada and raced a bunch without, of stuff. With, without an E? No, it was, where's no, the E? Uh, 
There's I don't no know. E there. <laughs> what are you talking about? There was two T's. <laughs> there you go. That's what I meant to say. So I, almost, <laughs> almost two tenths of a second. This is why I don't announce. The margin for the margin for for Marco as the race winner over yep. Benja, uh, Benja Fernandez, uh, Jackson Gibson, who was strong in the pre-final, ends up in third. Kai Mars on the Cart Republic in fourth, and Cameron Marsha on the Nitro Cart, rounding out the top five. Uh, Nicholas Orbezo. Uh, the Tony Kart was the uh, hard charger, 19 spots up, started tail of the field in 39th, got himself into the top 20. Let's go to Sunday. Uh, and again, that qualifying happening on Friday, Benji Fernandez was the quickest to start the pole position for the pre-final. Yeah, and then it ended up being uh, Rocco Simone that was the top driver in the pre-final. It was he and uh, Julian Riviera and the Cart Republic that went back and forth, exchanged the lead multiple times over the main event. Eventually, with four laps to go, Simone secured the top spot and from there was able to lead the remainder of the race to score his first victory at the USPKS program. So you can add that to the WKA Florida winter tour and didn't pick up a win at the Scusa winter series. Maybe it was uh Rotax that he also won as well too. Wow. So uh, a number of different wins already for Simone in 2022. Good job, uh, Ash, Ashton Woon was able to get up into the second spot late in the race, bringing Troy Ferguson on the Bennett with him that dropped Riviera down to the four spot with drew Waltz sitting there in the fifth spot. Uh, big weekend for Parolin, winning uh, three of the four cadet uh, main events. Uh, solid for them. Hard charger in the second race. So the Sunday race for Micro Swift was Devin De uh, Gavin Decay for Benick. Uh, good job for Gavin. 15 spots up. Another driver starting deep in the field. 40th, able to drive his way up into 25th. Final break in the action here of this edition of the EKN Debrief, episode number 93. When we get back, we'll wrap things up, talk a little bit about the rough driving in KA100 Senior. David will walk us through the Constructors' Championship, and we'll have a look at the EKN Trackside Live Race calendar to let you know where we're going to be over the next two to three weeks. We'll wrap things up, folks, after this break. Established in 1999, PSL Karting has become a powerhouse within the karting industry for North America and around the world. PSL Karting is your complete source for all Burrell Art products as the North American importer, providing this top quality product through both their expansive dealer network or through the pslkarting.com online store. Whatever you need is available 24-7 online, including safety gear, parts, components, and full karting packages. All three brands, Burrell Art, Ricardo Kart, and Charles Leclerc Karts, are in stock and ready to hit the track. Grab your winning chassis for any category by visiting pslkarting.com to find your nearest dealer. PSL Karting is always looking for interest in new dealers and teams to help create new business relationships. Drivers looking to take their talents to the next level can join the Burrell Art North America race team competing at all the major U.S. and Canadian events this season. When you're ready to win, go with PSL Karting. Fast, fair, and fun. Ignite Karting offers you all of that at an affordable price. Ignite Karting utilizes the spec Margay Ignite K3 with a Briggs & Stratton 206 engine and the Hoosier R80 tire. Everyone in the junior, senior, and master's classes compete on the same Ignite K3 chassis, which puts all the emphasis squarely on driver development. Additionally, 
Ignite Karting is accessible at the local, regional, and national level. Special events for 2022 include the Ignite Majors, featuring events at the Daytona International Speedway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, the Quincy Grand Prix, Newcastle Motorsports Park, and the Motorsports Country Club of Cincinnati. Those in the Midwest can enjoy the five-round, regionally-based Ignite Challenge at tracks in Illinois, Ohio, and Missouri. Local club programs have also been established in other states like Idaho, Texas, Nebraska, New York, Florida, and more. Join Margay Racing for some fast, fun, and great memories at an Ignite track near you. All information on Ignite events and Ignite cart packages, including dealers in your area, are available at IgniteCarting.com. Get off the couch and onto the track this year. Ignite Karting, fuel your passion. Welcome back to episode 93 of our EKN Debrief as uh, we have uh, almost wrapped things up reviewing the opening round of the United States Pro Kart Series program. A massive event, 323 drivers at the Orlando Kart Center. 323 entries, not drivers, uh, but uh, over 300 drivers. Some impressive numbers for sure for this uh, staggering program. David, let's wrap things up. We kind of talked about it a little bit when we were when we were going over the KA100 Senior Program. Really, one of the you know one of the the what am I going to say the trends or the feel coming out of the event, obviously boiling over onto social media like it always does. A lot of people commenting on the rough driving, lack of respect in that particular category. Yeah, that that's pretty much it. You know, it was it wasn't the type of racing you want to see. It was, you know, there's a lot of carts coming in off, you know, s smashed up and beat up. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, it, I don't it, there's I don't know what it is. There just seems to be there's not a lot of respect for the drivers within the K100 division that weekend. Uh, again, yeah, there's some there are good drivers in there. Um, a lot of good drivers in there. Some some driving a little bit, maybe a little bit more aggressive than they should be. Some drivers, um, I don't know. It just it just seems to be that they need to sit there and watch the X30 senior group, see how they drive with respect. They drive hard. They make deep passes, but they they know when they need to give a little bit of an inch or you know or decide, hey, oh, this man. might not be the right opportunity to make the move. Uh, you know, David, here's the thing in my head. What's the mindset, right? What's the mindset coming into these races? Like, where's is, where's where's the disrespect coming from? It's obviously not watching the other races. You mentioned they should watch X30 uh, Pro, super clean racing. What is it? Is it uh, is it the coaches? Is it uh, is it parents well, putting it's, pressure on? What, what, it's what hard. It? It's hard when they're 18 years old. They're you know, the majority some of, are, of the some of them are 14, 15. Yes, 16. some, but. The majority of the rough driving was done by those who are able to vote. <laughs> so, right. you know, that's 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 the hard side of it. You know, um, I'm not saying all of them were the older ones. But again, when you're looking at the front of the fields, a majority of them, I think, you know, are are able to, uh, you know, are able to are above 18. Uh, they're their own person. They're, you know, they're not, they're not, a majority of them are not kids that were up front. So that's the hard part I see. I, you know, Turlecki, he's young, Chase Hand's young, but none of them were kind of the instigators, if you want. You know, Turlecki yeah. and Fletcher, they raced each other really hard, but, you know, it, they, they didn't, it wasn't disrespectful. 
Okay. You know what I mean? It was just racing. It's part of racing. It wasn't, you know, none of that stuff boiled over. Um, you know, the, you know, obviously the, the Liberante and Lemke one that, that got on social media already while we were at the race. Yeah. Um, and I talked to them separately after, after Sunday's action, they said they already had talked and, and, and things are better, but who's to say nothing's going to happen down the road. That's always the, the side of things. And, and again, both of them have jobs. They, they're, they're adults, they're young adults. So it's not necessarily the kids that are the problem. It's, it's okay, kind of the adults in the, in the, in the room. So that, and again, then that's the, that's the problem we see in the junior categories. It's, it's not the kids, it's the adults in the room. That's the problem. Yeah. So, and again, we're not racing. The K100 is not racing for money. K100 is racing for a free engine or a free um, 2023 season or more IAMI products or more MG products. There, it, it, I, so it's not money. So it can't be money that is causing this. So it boils down to drivers not respecting one another. Yeah, you're right. I hear what you're saying. Um, let's talk about the venue, Dave. Um, Orlando, you know, uh, you know, the USPKS spent a lot of time at Ocala. It was kind of their launching point for the season, right? In uh, in, in March, uh, getting down into the warm weather of Florida. Uh, what are your what are your, what are your thoughts? Is is Orlando going to be? Is it the new Florida home for the series? Well, I think that's the question now that the the weekend's wrapped up. Yeah. Um. You know, moving forward, is is the series happy with um? You know how things conducted in Orlando with in terms of the smaller paddock size, the, the chaotic parking side of things, um, the crampness of the paddock and the racetrack itself. Um, you know, that's the, obviously things that they're going to boil, you know, kind of go over and review for the 2023 season. So I'm just wondering if that's going to be the, now the unofficial home for the, the series opener. That's, that's my question mm-hmm. now moving forward. What, you know, where else would you go? That's that's kind of the, the place right now, and that's why we were kind of shocked that they said Orlando. But now, you know, with record numbers, now the goal is okay. Can we match that, or we can do better? Yeah. Or can can they do better? Because can we know. get an, even more carts into the paddock? Um, that's true. That's a hundred percent true, right? It, like um, we were worried. We were worried about two hundred eighty three, three hundred. They went three twenty three. Right. right. So. Yeah, you're right. That's a good point. I mean, there's uh, there's obviously ways to do it. Uh, you know, you maybe do like Rotax Grand Final style tents, but uh, you know that's that's no. that's never going to happen here. Second um. floor, <laughs> second floor. <laughs> Somebody's got to come in and build a two decker paddock. With well, a, with a with a uh, with an elevator. Yeah, yeah, and thankfully, you know, Andre was able to work <laughs> with businesses around him yeah. to to provide not only a camping area. Uh, for the many campers that people bring there, uh, but for parking as well, because we parked uh, in the gravel pit, uh, um, the actual gravel pit for our parking lot for cars. So wow. that's okay. um, so now that they have, you know, Orlando understands what needs to happen. USPKS understands what they can provide or what they can do or what they need to do to make things a little bit better. Uh, you know, obviously you got probably in the next, you know, five, six months to discuss it before, you know, as you start Agreed. sending, sending out next year's calendar. But yeah, it's just, a, it's a question to put up there right now. What's, what's, you know, what is, is this going to be the new opener location moving forward? Uh, okay. So the next race down the line, Dave, uh, still a ways away, almost two months away, the end of April, um, where they, they're going to GoPro. 
are they going to run the traditional layout or did you hear any scuttle about it about something different well that we know it's not going to be the traditional layout that's okay. that was announced when they confirmed going back to gopro for the april 28th through may 1st weekend that's any, that's any, that's confirmed any intel were you digging did you, did you no take that's Mark the problem the nobody has said anything <laughs> <laughs> they 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 will neither confirm nor deny any of the layouts that are possible. So again, and that's one of the things the teams are asking me. Hey, what's you know we need to know what the track layout's going to be so we can start testing. A lot of teams want to get down there and start testing. Uh, oh, is I that see. is is yeah. that layout is that layout going to be available for testing? I hear you saying. Uh, you know that you know so that's kind of the you know for Orlando is the 2023 question. Right now, the yeah. question is what the layout's going to be for right. GoPro. We know what the layout's going to be for Road America. Uh, you know, Newcastle. You know, we can pretty much guess it's going to be one or two things. You know, but that's not that's not, not that's not a big difference. You know, a lot Newcastle's Newcastle. Yeah, um, true, true enough. Yeah, GoPro. Everybody's used to that national layout that we've been running over and over since the beginning of the series back in two thousand three. So. Um, is it going to be backwards? Is it going to be a condensed layout? Is it, you know, what's it going to be? I like it. Now here's, I have one more question to wrap things up. Mm -hmm. I know that you went to Waffle House, I think every morning for breakfast. <laughs> once, once. Oh, okay. Once, uh, on social media, on the USPKS, I think it was Facebook. I think it was Facebook. I saw Mark Coates was working the griddle, making breakfast. Did you not, how did you not slide by for some bacon or some, uh, something there? It was all gone every time I got, got oh, there. It's like, it, <laughs> That, that griddle was full. It looked good. No, yeah, they uh, they do a good job. Yeah, can, and uh, happy birthday again to Mark, who celebrated his birthday on Sunday. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Yep. Happy so birthday. there That's was awesome. there's a nice cake there. So we got a little cake for nice. for lunch. Uh, but yeah, Mark does a good job cooking along with um, um, Dial, um, Mrs. Dial, and awesome. uh, and you know, so they they do a lot of cooking for the uh, for the staff. So they and I had no idea they were doing breakfast because. I, I got there Saturday early because I had to, to do some setup stuff. And, and I realized, oh, you guys make breakfast? Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> That's good. But it was all gone every time I got there. So uh, the staff was certainly hungry every morning. All right, David, let's go to the Constructors' Championship right now as we get close to wrapping this one here up. Seven different brands scoring four of, uh, of the 14 wins. Give me a rundown of who was able to – which brands at least were able to lock some victories. Yeah, Cosmic uh, doubled up in X30 Pro, in X30 Master, and I'm trying to think. Uh, and yeah, actually picked up both wins in the or picked up two wins in junior categories. So, uh, excuse me, they were they were able to pick up six total. And as you mentioned just before the break, that Parolin picked up three of the four yep. cadet wins. Uh, Merlin picked up a victory with Brandon Lemke. Uh, Tony Cart, Red Speed, Will Power Cart, and the L LN Racing Cart all picked up one as well. All right, folks, let's have a look at the ECAN Trackside Live race calendar. We'll, we'll let you know where we're going to be over the next uh, essentially month. Uh, this edition of the race calendar presented by Acceleration Cart Racing. Acceleration Cart Racing has everything you need to go racing from tires to helmets. They have a great website for you to order from and cart racers ready to pick up the phone and answer your questions six days a week. With over 20 years of kart racing under their belts, Acceleration Kart Racing has the experience to help you succeed on the track. You can rely on them to get the parts you need when you need them. Make Acceleration Kart Racing your go-to source for everything karting. Head to www.shockakr.com. 
All right, David, you and I talked about the fact that there's only a couple of races we're actually going to be uh, trackside together with, maybe three or four more for the season, just based on everything that's happening with my schedule and yours. Uh, our next one, we are together. Looking forward to uh, doing a ECAN trackside live program back on the mic at the Challenge of the Americas, the finale on the March 25th, 26th, 27th weekend. We're heading back out to Sonoma Raceway in Sonoma, California. One of the best views uh, from a track anywhere in the country. Uh, and it's a tremendous track as well, just for racing. So many places to pass. Looking forward to wrapping up this year's challenge. I'm looking forward to seeing the revised section of Tic-Tac-Toe because yeah. uh, they did they did do a little uh, track adjustment. Uh, so we'll be doing the normal layout that we're used to when we go there, but with the revised Tic-Tac-Toe. So it's going to be a little bit more. Uh, it's probably slowed them down a little bit more going into that helicopter pad that uh, is pretty uh, rough and, and, and technical for the drivers to go through. Uh, after that, uh, actually the next weekend, oh, David, you'll be heading out on your vacation, taking the family away for a little bit. I'll be trackside uh, at the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Winter Nationals. Opening round of the Pro Tour, Alicia will be helping me out with social media that weekend. April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we'll be at NOLA Motorsports in Avondale, Louisiana, another tremendous racetrack with so many passing opportunities love being there uh, at the winter nationals uh, of course just a couple of years ago david that was that's where COVID hit everything kind of <laughs> shut down uh i'll be back on with xander clemens and the, and the crew at cart chaser as they're going to be streaming a uh, live video for the pro tour this year and i'll be uh be the uh, the lead commentator for that uh, looking forward to it be lots of social media i'll be handling all the play-by-play -play, the paddock insider uh, Alicia will take care of the top tens on on social and of course uh, all the race reports as well. Screws a Pro Tour about ready to to fire things up for what what season's this now for the Pro Tour? Man, where are we? Twelve. Uh, this will be thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen for the Pro Tour. All started back in two thousand and ten. So yeah, you'll be off on holiday and uh, and I'll, I'll be rocking that one. Should be fun. I have not been there since COVID. So yeah, I missed last year because it was the same weekend as the Challenge of the Americas uh finale so uh i didn't get to go last year um and but yeah next year I'm, uh, but right now uh this weekend hosting the simcraft 24 hours of nola right. so uh yeah. briggs and stratton racers gonna go twice around the clock this weekend there so uh that's gonna be their first big race of the 2022 season at nola motorsports park so a lot of drivers and teams heading down there right now i saw on social media uh including the Bermuda team heading over from yeah. Bermuda to go compete as well. So uh, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how that unfolds. Unfortunately, you know, we'd like to be there, but uh, busy schedules uh, have to pick and choose. Yes, exactly. That. Exactly. And I'm super happy they were able to get that race in the books. I know that they struggled a little bit with entries and some people pulling out and they were able to reset the bar. TJ Hall's been doing a great job to, to get that event in because again, it's, it's, this is an event it's, that's good. Yeah, it's going to become a, a, a big part of our sport here. Uh, you know, it's kind of like that Granja 500 race they have in Brazil. We need a big race like that big, you know, that big 24-hour endurance race. More and more people are going to try it. There's just so much racing going on right now. But that's, I really believe yeah. it's going to be a cornerstone event for our sport for, you know, decades to come. Yeah, that's it. There's a lot of racing going on. We just had Cup Carts North America have their big spring nationals in Charlotte last weekend. So that kind of 
hurts on 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 trying to be part of the uh, the 24 hour and also the 24 hours still kind of recovering from from COVID because it had yeah. to be rescheduled so many different times because of changes in motorsports, not just karting, but motorsports in general, because uh, they do have a lot of supporters with them in, within the motorsports industry. So, uh, yeah, glad to see that one kick off. And hopefully for 2023, it can find a good date home that works with everything and then works with our schedule and we can be part of that and we can sleep trackside trying to uh to go 24 hours <laughs> exactly that we're we keep having it on the bucket list that we want to be part of that simcraft 24 and i'm hoping it'll happen i, I just want to try and, and and see how far physically i can go in 24 Agreed. hours you I'm, know i feel I mean? the same way yeah what a challenge i'm no trey shannon no, no way am I going to do that by myself. No kidding. <laughs> well, folks, that wraps up this edition of the EKN uh, Debrief. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Kudos to everybody from the USPKS for a tremendous start to the 2022 season. Those of you who uh, dropped us messages for David's coverage, we do appreciate it. Paddock Insider uh, and both of the race reports, uh, of course, available on the website. We sent out an EKN News Desk email blast. Uh, available there if you haven't haven't seen them as well. And again, this particular uh, podcast will be run on the EKN Radio Network. And then, as always, uh, will find its way to the EKN Podcast Program as well. Again, big thank you uh, to our sponsor of this particular edition of the EKN uh, Debrief, uh, Step It Up. We love to have these guys taking care of us. Franklin Motorsports, longtime sponsor uh, of EKN and one of our, our uh, valued advertising partners. Thank you so much, folks, for joining us on behalf of David Cole. My name's Rob Haddon. Bye for now.